Welcome to your last podcast, the last podcast in the game, but the first you should listen to. I'm your host, Colton Simpson. And with me this week, he's a resident audiophile, William Ham Clark. Hi. And always in my corner, it's the amazing Grace Tadigan. Hello, hello. And all the way down at the other end of the table, last but not least, it's Josh Vay. What is it? So what is your last podcast? We're a conversational podcast where every week each of us brings a topic of conversation to talk it out and argue amongst ourselves for your amusement. If you like that, be sure to subscribe to the podcast feeds to never miss a new episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, leave a like, comment, and subscribe. And if you're feeling a bit generous or have a couple of bucks to toss our way, you can always uh, go over to patreon.com slash podcast and, well, your last podcast and become a patron if you're uh, feeling so inclined. So... With that out of the way, uh, Ham, what's your topic? All right, so my topic I'm bringing this week is mythical creatures <laughs> and which ones are most likely to exist in the world, like actually exist in the world and not just be some like bullshit thing. The one that I want to exist is like a lagoon creature because mm. I <laughs> like I love swamp thing that's like one of my favorite comic book series of all time but that's that's bullshit that's not gonna happen (laughs) um this is like less like a mythical creature but i feel like um the idea of like aliens existing Mm. is is more likely out of anything and maybe like lizard people I'll say what, what, what do you mean? What do you mean by alien though? Like, gotta get real specific with that. Like extraterrestrial, or like something from the south, or like what? <laughs> yeah. Do, yes. Oh yeah. gosh. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Extra. Extraterrestrial. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, I feel like that's that's more likely of like something that would ex- exist in like our world, and like the fact that they be low key, and like. You know, dipping in and out. I agree. I've always believed that aliens are real, but why would you want to come here is my point, right? That's what I've always thought. We're not that great. You take one fly over this place and go, no, we're going to the next gas station. We're not not (laughs) stopping at that dump. We'll gas up at the next one, right? I I don't know. You could say that, but like, there's not that many inhabitable worlds and like in our solar system. Well, in our solar system, yeah. And by our standards as well. Yeah. Yeah, So like, If they if they breeds if you breeds like gas, there's you know four planets you can choose from in our solar system yeah. alone, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like and if if they're like carbon based like us, that's the other argument, right? Yeah, um, they they obviously be looking for like planets with like water, mm-hmm. you know, inhabitable, you know, environments, mm-hmm. you know, even though like we've got some pretty shit weather now, but uh, they wouldn't become a Newfoundland for sure. <laughs> No, they probably avoid this place. Jeez, I don't know. Yeah. Everyone else seems to come here. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they wanted to stop by for a bit. Yes. You'll be buying a hot dog up to Costco in line with you the next time you're up there. You never know. <laughs> Little green man in line getting yeah. the poutine combo. Well, I've seen Stranger. <laughs> That's the truth. But anyways, go ahead, Ham. Yeah, but no, I, th- I think I think like aliens out of like, you know, Bigfoot, Abominable Snowman, um, Chupacabra. Chupacabra is a pretty good one too, but I won't get into that. Or... <laughs> Um, what's another one? Nessie. Nessie. Don't Nessie. steal them all. Nessie, like those are. Well, I'm not stealing. Them. I <laughs> I think aliens are like have a good chance of existing. Like they, okay. they're, they're they're a good horse in a race here. So I you're think. throwing aliens in with mythological creatures in this. So this is kind of op- broadening the spectrum yeah, a little wa- bit more for me. I wanted I wanted to make it more broad than okay, just like right. you know something you'd find in like fan footage like 
Okay. Okay, it, that's fair. That's a good way to define it. And plus, like, most of this stuff came out around, like, you know, you know, 60s, 70s, like, people being, like, doing a lot of hallucinogens. Okay. So, like, <laughs> I feel like that aliens probably came along and that fascination along with it around you, the same time. Is, if you want to make the mythological argument for aliens, you could always just go back to like the pyramids, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, if you want to go true. back there, it's like, hey, there's unexplained things that created the pyramids unless you, you know, think we built them, which I'd say we probably did. But, you know, some people subscribe to aliens doing that, which mm-hmm. would make it a little bit more historical, at least. Yeah. So, well, you know, it is a funny thing because correct me if I'm wrong, but are not the Great Pyramids of Giza aligned with certain stars in the night sky? I've heard that. I've heard I don't, that as I well. don't know anything about it, but I have heard that. So if that's true, I mean, we got a job to put up a house <laughs> most days around here now. I mean, you watch a bunch of fellers put together a house. I mean, you go in there and the laminate floor is sliding around like a pair of skis oh, yeah. on a mountain. So, I mean, the fact that they whacked those together thousands of years ago without any help would be impressive at mm-hmm. best. Mm-hmm. So there is an argument to be made there. I'm not saying that, you know, the aliens didn't have nothing better to do. <laughs> And come here and whack a few bricks together in a triangular fashion, right? They but, might have just been, you know, seeing what we could do. It could, it could be, maybe. I don't know. But I let, let's sort. I want to sort of angle in what you're talking about. So, like, you're you're opening it up yeah. into outer space. I want to hone it into like locally. What do you think is the most likely one that could be bopping around here? And for me, it's the Sasquatch. Hundred percent. It's the Sasquatch, <laughs> and that is to me the most logical probable thing that could be out there dancing around in the woods and it's the one that frightens the shit out of me the most there's so many nights back in what was it first year university where josh and i we've roomed together and we'd just be laying in bed having obviously separate beds having a chat <laughs> snuggling <laughs> snuggling chatting. up chatting. he always does this he turns a nice clean story into a sexual one <laughs> anyways go ahead anyways having a chat like before we go to bed and every now and then <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. Every now we'll and then. We'll be gay before the end of this conversation. Go ahead. Before you give him a kiss goodnight, you don't want to say. But anyways, every now and then, the Sasquatch would always come up, and we'd just sit there and talk about it, and we could not go to sleep until I'd bring up the old video of the Sasquatch. Like, what is, what is the footage from? Do you remember what the it's, footage? We didn't we, isn't it from like a place called Cedar Creek or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it might it's be. It's somewhere yeah. in Washington state, I'm pretty sure, where that classic 60s footage is where he's, he's strutting down through the woods, right? <laughs> and he does that little blind spot check over his shoulder, yeah. like what I teach the students in car. He does, yeah. the, does the blind spot check over his shoulder and looks back. And that look he gives you, the way he's moving yeah. is so inhuman and, and unnatural looking, right? Like it's it's like a feller that got a load in his pants on George Street <laughs> at three AM in the morning. Like it doesn't it don't look natural, right? Yeah, it's it's pretty weird looking footage. And mm-hmm. I remember we used to just keep talking about like, oh, could that be real? Is that really real? And we'd always come down to like, yeah, probably Bigfoot or a Sasquatch is probably the most well, realistic. Well it, it, and and let, let's sort of make an argument for that. Yeah. So back where we come from, you know, I don't really want to hone in on Goose Bay too much for this, but they actually have a word for it up there. I've talked to a lot of people from like the South Coast of Labrador, and they used to call them gorillas. And a lot of people used to talk about like when they were first going up and surveying like Churchill Falls and stuff back in the day. Putting in the transmission and, line. And putting right? in the yeah. transmission line. There was stories of getting this nasty smell and seeing like these big clumps of fur rubbed off on these big spruce trees. Now, it could have been moose or it could have been something, but there's always this musky smell that's associated with these stories. And the Aboriginal elders used to say, oh, well, that's the gorillas in the woods, mm. right? And the boys would be like, 
what do you mean gorilla? Like, what is that <laughs> out yeah. there, right? Yeah. But no, they used to call them gorillas. And uh, I don't know, it, it, it just sort of seems like there's a lot of woods back home. There's yeah, a lot there's, there's a lot of woods is. in Canada in general that we don't live in. Mm-hmm. You know, if you had a very isolated population of Sam Sasquatches, <laughs> I don't call them Sam Squanches. <laughs> <laughs> Too much Strata Park boys. Yeah. Uh, sa- if you had an isolated population of Sasquatches, say if you only had a thousand of them in Canada, oh geez, they could they could be out there for years and not mm-hmm. get found, right? They could be you could be out there doing whatever. You never know. There's a yeah. lot of a lot of places to hide in Labrador alone. I mean, they're great at hiding, if that's the case, just because of how connected our world is with Mm. drones and everyone with phones in their pockets and there's no real, you know, clear footage. But Mm -hmm. yeah, lots of woods out there unexplored, I guess. Yeah. So you also agree, Sasquatch? Oh, yeah, that was was mine for sure. I mean, I could probably talk about Nessie a little bit, but that's the one I'd like to be real the most. Yeah, I'd like Mm -hmm. Nessie to be real as well, but they just seem to have spent so much time looking for Nessie in this one lake. that. Well, what's he doing in the lake? Yeah, where is he? Why is he out there? Like, well, why Got that lost, my son. Or that lock, or whatever yeah. they call it over there. Like, what, what's the difference? Why can't you be out there in, in Square Pond outside Gander or something? Like, why does it have to be isolated to that one oh, area? Oh, there's the Ogopogo yeah. for yeah. Canada. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Th- that's mostly logs, isn't it? <laughs> in every video I've ever seen, it just looked like log going down. Large sturgeon, I think. Yeah. yeah something yeah. like that. Well, yeah. it's funny because ultimately this conversation comes down to region. You know what I mean? Mm, like, yeah. every area has its own you know, mythologies or folk tales or anything like that. Right. And so I'm also inclined to think of the woods. Um, I've always been partial to Celtic folklore and mythology. So I was thinking more of your like stereotypical fairies, like your sprites, your brownies, these Mm. little things. And think the reason that I'm more inclined to believe that these things exist is because, and, and kind of like some of the things you guys were talking about, they don't have like really strongly magical properties like Mm. they do but at the same time like they're not using them to like go and like cast spells on people like witches or whatever you know what i mean it's you know they're pretty you know simple little creatures who just kind of hide away other than like playing tricks on people Mm. which is kind of what they do when they do interact with humans and so that was what made me think that's more likely to be what are you talking about specifically there what 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 are you saying so like um for instance like a lot of these like if you've got a brownie in your house, a good way to know is he'll turn your milk sour. Not the kind of brownies I'm used to eating. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, so, so brownies are like these little fairies. And if you, you know, upset them, they turn into a boggart, which is another kind of creature who's oh, a lot okay. more mischievous. Yeah. Right? Why can't they use like, Sam, see, that's where they lose me. Because if you got the power to do anything, why can't you manifest like the 649 numbers or something <laughs> for Wednesday night? Why do you have to use your magic for evil? Right? Well, see, that's you the make thing a lot of max like, numbers for Friday or something, right? Is, you know, a lot of these creatures, they don't really operate by the, uh, you know, hu- typical human good versus evil or like good versus bad or they just kind of like they're anarchists. They do whatever yeah, they want. You know yeah. what I mean? Like they're unhappy. So they turn your milk sour because they don't like the color well, of your house or whatever. They to do back home because the milk comes sour right from <laughs> the grocery store most of the time. So they have to find a new trick back there. But yeah, so it's just, uh, I was more inclined again towards the woods and like woodland creatures. Uh, But I mean, if you, depending on the region that you're from, you know, it could be any number of things that you think is more likely to exist. Like think of how much ocean we have that is completely undiscovered. Uh, You know, what the heck could be down there? You know what I mean? How many mountain ranges are completely inaccessible 
what the heck could be up there. You know what I mean? Yeah, outer space, yeah, another right. classic, you know, we're talking about regions that are unexplored, outer space, extraterrestrials, good chance. You know what I mean? So well, what could be in the ocean alone, Grace? We don't even have to. Oh my God. I don't even I mean, want to think about it. I, I, I did read somewhere once they said, we know more about the surface of Mars than we do about the mm-hmm. bottom of the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. And that's an interesting fact because you can't get down there. Yeah. Right. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's a job to get down there. You go 10 kilometers underneath the ocean. I mean, you're going to get squat. Yeah. Right. You, I don't think we have a submersible capable of going like to the mm-hmm. bottom of the Marianas Trench. I think that's in the Pacific, but whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? But still, yeah. It's, exactly. It's, and that's it's on our planet and we don't know. We don't you know, know what I mean? And I mean, forget about depth. Like that's, you know, like that is a huge thing and in and of itself. But at the same time, like just, you know, plop yourself down in the middle of the Pacific or something like that. Like, like who's to say there are definitely parts of the ocean that man has not touched. That we well, have never yeah, seen. Unless you're you know counting I mean? the tires and the plastic well, bags yeah, unless, that have yeah, made their way into Yeah, that's, you know, that's a whole other discussion, you know, pollution and stuff like that. But just, you know, that human eyes have ever seen or will ever see again kind of thing. That's a whole other conversation. Who knows what's out there? I hope you know if we mean? found something cool, we would call it something cooler than Ogo Pogo because that, like <laughs> that sounds like a dinner snack. Like that sounds like Pogo stick. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think of a mythological creature. Yeah. I think of like a snack. So hopefully we'd come up with a cooler name. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to bring up one more thing. Um, in terms of like the Sasquatch thing, you guys, you guys remember like the Forest Brides thing? Oh, yes, I oh, was yes. waiting for you to for you to hone in on that. So go ahead. What do you got to say about that? <laughs> Getting engaged or what? No, no. I just, I just wanted to know if you guys remembered like the Forest Brides thing, where it was just like there's women disappearing like along these like, I guess like it was mostly like, in the East Coast, right? I'm trying was, to remember where well, we watched the we movie. Watched the movie. I'm trying to remember yeah. what wasn't that West Coast? Was it like Washington State? Yeah, I think or it was something. West Coast. Yeah. Oh, it was West Coast. It was wherever okay. the famous is it Jameson footage? I can't something remember what like the name that. of the footage is, something but like that, yeah. I should have Googled the it. The bedtime footage. Yeah, there you go. The yeah, the first year Mun footage. Um yeah, I remember there was apparently like missing women and they would always tie it to Sasquatches. So their theory was that Sasquatches would come and steal these women and impregnate them and just make them forest wives and that's kind of like how they continue the sasquatch line or the bigfoot line is just reproducing with these forest wives and i remember we were shocked by it because we were watching this found footage movie about like people looking for sasquatches and josh and i just hear half asleep watching this movie but at the end <laughs> of it you're right to sleep <laughs> so it ends with people just getting dragged through the woods these women getting dragged through the woods we had no clue what was going on and there was a couple of naked women in, in the footage as well we were just like that's not Sasquatches. What the hell happened to this this yeah. movie? So then we had to actually do some reading on forest wives or forest brides or whatever they're called. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But well, I don't know. I don't know if I believe in that aspect of it, but I, I some sort of monkey wandering through the, the woods. Yeah, well, there are monkeys wandering through woods, just not here. So it's, I don't even think it's that big of a stretch to really think that. Could there be another type of gorilla or ape sauntering through the woods in North America? Why not? Mm-hmm. They're down there, you know, you know, they're on other parts of the world mm-hmm. in the woods. So is it mm. that big a stretch? I don't think so. No, it's not that big of a stretch. But no, I just wanted to bring that up just because <laughs> I just wanted right. you to talk about forest brides because I thought that shit was funny. Mm-hmm. But no, um, no, I think that's about sums it up. Like there's there's definitely a lot more to talk about in terms of like mythological creatures and shit like that. But like <laughs> that'd be forever. So mm-hmm. I think we'll we'll wrap it up right now. All right, well, I guess I'll go next, which very hard shift in tones in terms of going from mythological creatures to just the idea of 
Well, basically, I'll back up. So how I got to this topic is there's a very popular documentary going around right now called Leaving Neverland, which is all about uh, these two men, uh, Jimmy Safechuck and Wade Robson. And essentially, they've come out with allegations against the late Michael Jackson that they were sexually abused by him. Of course, in terms of Michael Jackson, I think these are stories we've all heard when we were growing up. I mean, I at least remember like uh, rumors of like Macaulay Culkin back in the early 2000s. I remember this picture of him with like the his home alone cr- picture was it with his crotch wet is the one i'm talking about there's oh a, that's not what i'm yeah thinking there's of. there's one where i think it's like uh, michael jackson has his arm around him and macaulay calkin's crotch is a little bit wet it was one that like tabloids used to throw up uh like oh. whenever they were discussing it but anyways um yeah so i just the documentary is very damning the documentary is very uh hard to watch after i watched it i definitely feel a little bit different about michael jackson and his music But what I kind of wanted to raise with the topic was, should we separate the art from the artist? And do we separate the art from the artist? So in terms of the Michael Jackson documentary, after I watched it, uh, I kind of do believe what the the guys are saying in the documentary. I don't know if they're telling the truth all the time. I don't know if they're kind of embellishing certain aspects to make it more dramatic. But I think the core of the story in terms of they were molested in some degree as they were like between the ages of seven and 14. I think there's a lot of evidence in that documentary to support that, or at least a lot of strange correlations between the stories and videos and recordings. So (laughs) I can't really separate the art from the artist, I think, in this one scenario. So I'm just wondering, do you guys do that? Is there any artist you have to do with? So I think the reason why, because I just watched part one of this documentary before I come over here, because I wanted to sort of get a sense for myself of what I was getting into. And after watching at least the first part, I can guarantee you there are so many intricate details involved with, I think it's mo- they mostly focus on Jimmy's story for the first half, and then it's Wade's story from Australia afterwards. Yeah. So, like, there's so many intricate details in that documentary that I can guarantee you, like, 100%, at least half of it is true. At yeah. least half of it is true because there's so many little things that if you put yourself in the place of I'm up to no good, I don't want to get caught. So I have all these little fail safe set up to keep myself from getting caught at this heinous act. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it's very graphic and it's very disturbing to listen to. There was a couple cringy moments in particular that I was like, Oh geez, I don't yeah, know. Like, I, I found it really hard to watch too. It, it was, was really hard to watch, but I think brutal. the reason why it's very hard to separate the art from the artist in this particular case is because Michael Jackson did all of his own as far as I know, he wrote all his own stuff. Mm-hmm. He did all of his own dance moves, blah, blah, blah. So his art is a reflection of him as an individual. Whereas if you want to take someone else who is considered an artist, like a Kevin Spacey, for example, I mean, Guy was accused of a lot of stuff over the last couple of years. I don't know how much of it is been proven true, whatever. I haven't been following it. But I can honestly say that I can still watch his movies and say, yeah, this is a good movie. Like, that's an excellent movie. And I think a lot of the reason for that is, is, He didn't write seven. He just played a part in it Mm. and he played the part. Well, he didn't write K packs. He just played a part and he played it well. So in that particular case, I think, yeah, you should try to make a distinction between the art and the artist If you can, if you can't, well, maybe that, maybe there's another reason for that. Mm. And maybe, maybe you should try to make a division at the very late least. Right. Yeah, I'm very conflicted in terms of when it comes to music, I think. I was was thinking about this, and I mean, just as like an English, you know, having undergrad in English, you do, you read a lot about these authors and about their works and how they were inspired by it. And a lot of them are, 
you know, they were just treated their wives terribly. A lot of them were like womanizers or, you know, there's people racist. Yeah, I was going to mention like H.P. Lovecraft. Like if you're going into the horror world, he's just this incredible racist. And like his racism stems through all of his work. So it's it's this thing where you kind of do have to separate at the time. Be like, oh, it's a product of its time. But when it comes to music, I agree with Josh that there's so much of yourself in that music back in the day that when Michael Jackson is launching a world tour about how bad he is and bringing along supposedly this abused kid with him along on this tour, it's very hard to stomach. And it's also when he's singing about how smooth of a criminal he is. Mm. And then he gives his hat from the music video to one of the kids. Yeah. It's. It's just when you're watching it, like, I don't know if I could listen to some of those songs anymore. It's just kind of sickens me a little bit. And in terms of uh, just an other like musical artists, uh, when Chester Bennington, when he killed himself from Lincoln Park, obviously he wasn't involved in any allegations or anything, but it's really hard to listen to his music about how numb he is or about how in the end things don't matter anymore when you know, like how his story ultimately ended. Yeah, It's like, it, it's hard. And I don't listen to Linkin Park very often, but it comes up every now and then on Spotify. I'm at the gym and I don't feel like, oh, this is so cool. Like, I listened to it when I was 12. It's it's more like somber now mm-hmm. whenever I have a really hard time separating when it's music, I think. Mm-hmm. Go yeah. back to you just use Smooth Criminal and Bad, for an example, which yeah. are two songs they use a lot in that movie. Yeah. Like, once the kids are involved, almost all the footage they have in that film, there's kids on stage dancing to that. That's how he basically meets these two boys in particular is he yeah. kind of fishes them out. Um, but let's go back to Thriller. In this particular case, at least from the documentary standpoint, Thriller was, for one of the boys, what got him interested in Michael Jackson in the first place. So let's just make an assumption here that Thriller, and I'm not saying it does, but let's say that that song predates all the sexual abuse and predates the first time that Michael Jackson took a dive down that road. Should we not listen to Thriller? Is, is all the art yeah. spoiled or is it just the ones where you you have trouble making the distinction? Because what society has a tendency to do is go extreme. None of it's any good. Fire it all out the window. I would, I, you know what I mean? So I, I would never say Michael Jackson isn't good. Like I would I would never say that. I think well, he's incredibly are. talented. A lot of people are doing it right mm-hmm. now. I mean, the guy's been yeah. dead for 10 years, right? Yeah, there's a difference between his music being good and him being a good person. Mm. I think from he's not a he was I, a sick, I he was a sick man. He was well, and that's kind of what I, I think. I think he's a not a good person, but I think his music is good, and I think musically he's probably what most people would consider a genius. If you watch this documentary, I was shocked at just the level of fame and celebrity this guy had. I haven't oh, seen yeah. I haven't seen anything like it. Like in terms of he's just leaving his house and people are dragging off the back of his limousine or like people. Mm. Like he's walking down a road and there's people on the rooftop surrounding it yeah. all over. Like this guy had a celebrity that like it isn't that level of celebrity doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. It So it was pretty insane. So, yeah, I'd say he's probably a genius, but I think he's a, from after watching this documentary, I think there's way too many things that line up that I it just makes me feel like sick to my stomach when I think about certain aspects of it. Ham, you look yeah. like you're trying to jump in here. Yeah, no, it. I was just going to say, like, it is really hard to separate like a shitty like if like if someone has a big personality it's really hard to separate that from you know their art especially when it's like so tied in like michael jackson especially in his later career like you see like a lot of himself and like he's like putting in a lot more work in the dance moves and just like 
a lot of his dance moves are like inherently like kind of sexual and that oh, was yeah. kind of creepy too like With you're watching yeah you're watching like a four-year-old four-year-old boy compete in this dance competition he's like pelvic thrusting and you know getting down on the ground and stuff it's just when i was watching it the entire time i i, I was like this is gross but I was also like, how the hell does like where <laughs> your parents are terrible in this cir- circumstance? Like you haven't finished the documentary, but like his parents are terrible. Yeah. Like, and and I, in part two, it's like even worse. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just like, I don't understand how the, the parents allowed for any of this to happen. Like from when, what I've seen so far, that's the way he used to operate, though. He had a systemic way of getting the children away from the parents, especially through that whole Neverland thing. But the parents were so infatuated with Michael anyways. They were just willing to go along with it because he was such a star that, you know, it was a they were overwhelmed with the attention that it was almost like it's easy to turn a blind but, eye. But yeah. also like psychologically, it makes sense with Michael Jackson himself, because apparently he was abused oh, like, yeah. by his father yeah, his a father. lot. Oh, yeah. So in terms of when he is telling these boys that you don't ba- basically you don't need a father, you can treat me as kind of like your father figure. You don't need parents, all that sort of thing. He's probably doing it from a little bit of a sense of. He f- actually feels that way, but there's definitely like ulterior mo- motives at play there because it's making these kids rely even more and more on him. And in terms of the Wade Robson story, I mean, Michael Jackson is probably responsible for a lot of that dude's career after the fact because he goes on to like choreograph for like uh, Britney Spears and NSYNC and all that stuff. And I mean, who pulled the strings to get him in there mm-hmm. in the beginning to start dancing for these people, right? So I, I don't even understand how those men would feel mm-hmm. about all that. Like your whole career basically being contributed or attributed to a guy who abused you yeah like uh can you think of another artist aside from jackson who's been essentially become a tattoo tattoo taboo topic with regards to artwork and like you know i I, i'd use kevin spacey but i Mm. I can't think of another one bill cosby yeah bill Bill cosby is another one yeah chris brown Chris Brown, Brown. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, Chris Brown, right and there. one that I think of that kind of uh, is the opposite a little bit is um, back in, gosh, when was it? Early two thousands when the Dixie Chicks, and now I grew up listening to the Dixie Chicks. I love the Dixie Chicks. Yeah. Um, they came out at a concert, and I want to say England, don't remember. And they said, you know, we are from the great state of Texas, and we're embarrassed to be from the same place that George W. Bush is from because they were very against the war. They were against what was happening post nine eleven. It was a very divided community in mm-hmm. the United States, and people lost their minds. They got death threats. There were like rallies, people burning their CDs. It got, you know, it was dangerous. They, I'm pretty sure they had to like end their tour. Like it was, people were absolutely livid and they were saying they were un-American for doing this. And so they followed up with an album. Um, um, I'm not ready to make nice. I'm pretty sure is the name of the album. And basically talking about their, you know, the reaction that everyone had to their political beliefs. So this is kind of like the flip side of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. People disagreed very strongly with what they did, with the, their political opinions, with how they voiced it. And so they came out and they made art to, you know, express what they had just been through. And so obviously that continued to alienate some people. And obviously this is not the same thing as child abuse. Like there's, but it's another case of separating the art from the artist. And when you first brought up this topic, the first thing that I thought of is, I don't remember who said this and they definitely said it better than I did, but you vote with your money. Hmm. So if you continue to buy Michael Jackson CDs, 
after I know I'm dating myself, but if you continue to buy Michael Jackson CDs or download it on iTunes or whatever, or put any of your money towards this, you are supporting financially a person who has done these things. Yeah, or at least an estate in this yeah. in this exactly. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So like, I can understand. You know, in that case, I will never put money towards someone who has done something that I disagree with strongly. Will I continue to buy Dixie Chicks albums? I mean, if I was still, you know, a big fan, hypothetically, yes, I would still buy concert tickets or whatever. You don't have a cabinet right side. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I do love the Dixie Chicks. I just haven't kept up with them in recent years because I don't disagree with what they were saying politically necessarily. Mm -hmm. I don't pretend to be incredibly informed on the topic or anything like that, but this is something that, you know, I will continue to support them. Or when I see an artist do something really good, like I'm thinking of, um, Lin-Manuel Miranda after, um, Hurricane Maria hit after that awful, you know, pulse shooting after any number of things. And he created art to be able to sell it for the sake of raising money for people in need. Absolutely. I'm going to vote with my money and I'm going to put my money. I'm going to buy that song on iTunes. I'm going to, you know, buy this t-shirt or whatever, because the proceeds are going to helping people. And like, he's got a good cause. And that's a case in which I am not separating the art from the artist. Even if I don't terribly like the song, yes, I'm going to spend a dollar and 28 cents on iTunes to support it because I'm supporting the artist here. Right. And the key thing in that situation being support mm-hmm. or not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not actively go out of your way to contribute to the demise or destruction. And that's what mm-hmm. I find a lot of people have a tendency to do mm-hmm. with a lot of stuff is rather than just saying, okay, I never was a Michael Jackson fan mm-hmm. personally. Like I, I liked some of his songs. Sure. But like in the same way that I liked a lot of 80s songs, like I, I'm not a huge journey fan, but I do like that song. Don't stop. Yeah. Even, mm-hmm. but I'm not like obsessed over it or nothing. Yeah. It's yeah. just a good song. And there's certain songs with Jackson that are like that for me. It's not the type of thing where I would go and ever say, okay, now I need to seriously go and, you know, revisit my convictions on, am I going to listen to another Michael Jackson song? For me, it's just like, okay, well, I never supported him in the first place, Mm -hmm. which means I never cared enough in the first place to really take a big stance on it. So why would I get so emotionally aggravated now that I'm going to join Rally the Cause Mm -hmm. and try to take down the empire? Like that, that, that's what a lot of people do because there's probably a lot more people like me our age that don't really care about Michael Jackson, but you'll see a lot of them now like grab the pitchfork and, and the mm. axe well, and start burning down the monster. Right. I remember when he passed all of a sudden, everybody was Loved on him. Facebook, loving him, oh, talking yeah. about how great he was, how great of a person Billy Mays he was. Billy died same time though. And I was more upset about that. The OxyClean guy. Remember that? <laughs> oh I, yeah. Like I remember that. And I was just kind of like, what the hell? I remember some of these people straight up being like wacko Jacko, you know, was always the thing whenever he was in the news about, you know, hanging his baby over, uh, oh, over the that, balcony, yeah. shit like this. Like he was, he was a, a messed up person. So I just thought it was so strange with when he passed, like all of the sentiment shifted. And I mean, that oftentimes happened. I'm mm-hmm. not saying speak ill of the dead but i think sometimes you can also acknowledge that like yeah musical genius i'll leave it at that <laughs> you know not talk about how great of a person he was yeah yeah um one one thing i wanted to like key in on all this is just like people have a really hard time with accepting that like people do like contribute good and bad things in the world especially Absolutely. celebrities so like a lot of people take a black and white stance to all this oh yeah and like really like there's a lot of there's a lot of good 
like musicians on those records, like off the wall is fantastic. Like I'm not a huge Michael Jackson fan, but that record's great. And like, it's not like he didn't do good things, but like he's obviously like ruined some people's lives. And like that's Andy got caught, which is another key element to this. You know, it's like the whole every time VOCM comes in with an article and says, oh, we caught 10 people drinking and driving over Patty's Day weekend. Well, how many made it home? Yeah. Right. Like, so he got caught doing what he's doing. How many other ones are out there that might affect you worse that are up to the same thing or worse? Well, that's kind of, you know, and I'm not going to shift too heavily into the film side, but people like Brian Singer, you're you're a big X-Men fan. All of the X-Men movies, I think other than what was it? The one I like, was it the first class? Mm -hmm. I think he, I think he's produced or directed most Mm -hmm. of those. Uh, He got kicked off of Bohemian Rhapsody because there was a, a news storm coming towards him that he was involved with molesting children. And if you go watch the Oscars, I mean, Bo- Bohemian Rhapsody won so many things. His name was stripped from everything. Not mm-hmm. one person thanked or mentioned him the entire time. And it's just a save face. People like Harvey Weinstein, who yeah. up at this point, I think they are, I think he's charged or, you know, uh, accused of like sexually assaulting like upwards of 50 women. I have a number of Harvey Weinstein movies over there on my shelf that every now and then when I throw them on, I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, this is done by, you know, the the Weinstein company because yeah. it's a Quentin Tarantino movie. And most of his movies were p- produced by Harvey Weinstein. So when I watch that, I'm it like, doesn't sour the movie for me most of the time. But there is a level of, oh, yeah, this guy was everywhere. This guy was huge. And like, that, that's the other really challenging thing is there is very little art that is produced, you know, with one person doing it. You know what I mean? Like anything that gets big enough for people to know about, like there is bound to be at least one terrible person on every single movie that has ever been made. You know what I mean? Someone who, you know, is, you know, a racist, a sexist, you know, hit somebody, hurt someone. You know what I mean? There's bound to be bad people involved in everything. So you cannot say I will not partake or enjoy in any of this art because, you know, the guy who did the lighting design Mm -hmm. on this movie is a bad guy. Like you, you can't, you'll never enjoy anything ever again. But when it comes to something like, and the argument was made earlier, Michael Jackson, who, you know, he did, he wrote his music. He sang his music, he composed it, he, you know, something like this. It's him, it is him. It it is him. him. That's a case where it's a lot easier to just say no, I'm going to say no to this. Like, I'm not going to lie, when it comes to Baby Driver and Kevin Spacey, it is a little bit uncomfortable to watch the movie now, just in terms of, I think he was accused of molesting like seven boys Mm -hmm. uh, throughout his career. And, you know, he hasn't, as far as I know, he is not convicted. You know, he's not guilty. I mean, in terms of social media, Mm -hmm. he's guilty 100% because, I mean, you're accused of anything nowadays. You're guilty by by most people. Which is wrong. And I I would be inclined to agree with that. Mm -hmm. But that is what happens nowadays. But it does make it harder for me to watch Baby Driver when he's he's talking to Ansel Elgort the entire movie, talking about how much he has power over him and how he's his baby and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. It's, It's very odd. But... I do agree that basically what Josh was saying right in the beginning with Kevin Spacey, he's still a great actor in terms of his roles. There's a writer that wrote it. There's probably a script supervisor on Mm -hmm. set that are adjusting his lines. He probably had acting coaches. He probably had directors changing and tailoring his performance. He is a great actor, but there's so many people behind the scenes that helped him bring out that performance. Mm -hmm. Now, there are certain performances that I do kind of feel like they're 100% Kevin Spacey. And I feel like Frank Underwood is probably a very good that's what Kevin Spacey kind of envisions himself in his head type of role. And I mean, his video he put out there in December, Let Me Be Frank, is just kind of even more yeah. example of that, I think. But 
It was a good role. I don't know if I'd oh, yeah. like someone like that in my life, mm -hmm. but I think in terms of that, I, you know, I could keep talking about separating mm -hmm. art from the artist. I have a bunch of people, JK Rowling's Twitter things mm -hmm. that annoy me, but I still think Harry Potter's great. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, there's so many different artists, but I, I think we should move it along, I guess. So moving it right along then, uh, in conjunction with this, we can sort of move into my topic, which is I'll get into why I chose it sort of after I introduce it. Uh, what are we going to do as a society with all these people? What do we do with them? Do we lock them away and throw the key, throw away the key or do we execute them? Do we, I don't know, put them on a, on a spaceship and send them to Mars. <laughs> what is the correct solution here? Right. Marry and the them reason, off to Sasquatches. Yeah. Sasquatch wives. A couple of years of that. <laughs> you'll uh, you'll change your tune. You'll yeah. change your tune. But no, yeah. the reason why I sort of wanted to talk a little bit about what everyone's view is on capital punishment or the death penalty is uh, just basically because here in the media here lately, locally, there's been a couple of people that have gotten life sentences here in the last little while. And the most re recent one is Trent Butt. And for those of you who are not familiar with that story, has anyone heard anything about Trent Butt? I, I read up on it. Yeah, when you okay, mentioned so it. Okay, yeah. so essentially what happened is, through the jigs and reels, he murdered his daughter as a means of getting back at his ex-wife. To make a long story short, that's what he does, what, what he did. He murdered his daughter to get back at his ex-wife. Now, this little five-year-old girl, I think her name was Quinn. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. she was four, and I think she Something might have like been that. the ex-wife from a previous marriage oh, i think sure I'm, I'm, I'm not, not sure i'm not positive i thought but i, I thought it wrong. said it was his daughter but it could be it could, could be. be wrong but i mean i don't have youngsters but i think it's an instinctual thing in pretty much everyone that you don't hurt kids you don't yeah. do anything in any way yeah. leading off the michael jackson thing what makes the michael jackson thing so disgusting is that it involves kids it, right like oh as yeah, bad as is. it is to yeah. say when you're talking about harvey weinstein and the casting couch stuff I don't look at that as being as deplorable in my head as molesting children, which is it's still on the bad side of the fence. On it's the still wrong sexual side. assault. It's and still rape, sexual but... assault and rape, but it's not as disgusting in my head as with children. Yeah. That's just my way of chronologuing yeah. it. Right. Mm -hmm. So anyways, the fact that this dude murdered his child. Okay. And they said that he did it planned to be a murder suicide and he just never went through with the suicide part. He got a, a 25-year life sentence, okay? No chance of parole. I think he's like... He's 40. He's 40. So, I mean, that's it for him. I mean, he's not getting out in all likelihood, right? And it got mm -hmm. me wondering because there was an... Okay, well, yeah, you can argue that, that yeah. he may get out, but that's with good behavior. That's assuming he doesn't fart the wrong way while he's in jail and get another three or four years added on. Or he doesn't kill himself because or doesn't apparently kill someone tried. else so, doesn't yeah. kill him. There was another chance. person. There yeah. was another person uh, whose name is Al Potter. And he was involved in a stabbing of another man named Dale Porter. And he got another a life sentence as well. And this is all like in the span of the last few months. Okay. I never heard about that one. Okay. Yeah. So, and that one sort of didn't get as much media Press, coverage once course, again, yeah. because it didn't involve like kids, just kids, right? Yeah. But it's still a bad thing. And it sort of got me wondering what is more humane Locking someone in a room, and I'm not saying these people don't deserve to be punished, but what is more humane? Locking someone away to just get them out of sight and out of mind, right? And it's essentially, your life is over, live in misery, or just executing them. What would I prefer? If I had to be handed a life sentence without the possibility of parole, what would I opt for? 
to do my time and live with myself every day with as little to no social contact as possible. Because most of these people, if you're getting a life sentence, you're going to max for one, which means when you go to max, most of the time you start out in isolation. So you're by yourself, isolated from gen pop. I mean, I can't imagine a worse form of torture than being inside four walls day in, day out with no stimuli whatsoever. So is it less humane than just saying we're going to execute you? And we're going to do away with you. What do you think? What I, so when you first posed this question, I think you said, what is more merciful? Mm -hmm. And I thought, I think that this was a really interesting way to frame this question because most of the time when you get asked this question is, well, are you, when I brought it up in the yeah, group chat. Okay. Yeah. Um, because most of the time is it, are you for or against capital punishment? Mm -hmm. But the idea of it being mm -hmm. merciful or humane, I think that's a really interesting way to put it because Instead of, you know, you're putting yourself in the, um, you know, guilty party's shoes as opposed to the external. Because most people, when they're talking about capital punishment, they're thinking like, could I flick the switch? Could I, you know, could I do that to another person? But you're asking from the other point of view, like, if you were in that case, what would you prefer? And I think that that's a really interesting way to put it because... You know, I'm not exactly sure of my answer either way, but it's just a refreshing way to look at the question. And I think it, it really asks us to look more closely at the prison system. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about punishment and the role of the prison system. I mean, it's, it's the penal system. You know what I mean? The, the intent there is to punish and should that be the role of the prison system you want me to give you what i think so that maybe you that'll yeah sort of i want to hear okay, more so, yeah so i do think person myself that there should be capital punishment and the reason why i think that is because the system that we have right now is based off of the fact that everyone is able to be redeemed mm -hmm. everyone is redemptive that's the philosophy of mm -hmm. it you do your time you pay pay your debt to society back you go onto mm -hmm. the street now, here's what happens in reality. Once you go to jail, whether it's for drinking and driving or for the worst possible crime you could be convicted of, you have a criminal record mm -hmm. and, good and good luck participating in anything that's worthwhile doing in this country, at least. You will never get a really good job. You will never be able to really, like if you're accused of a sex crime, you're going, that is going to follow you for the rest of your life. You'll have to go through hoops and bounds, every time you move into mm -hmm. a new community, every time, you know, there's going to be restrictions on you, left, right, center. You won't be able to travel to the United States or certain other countries. It's going to hang over you. So if the purpose is to go to jail to do your time and pay your debt, then why is there this black cloud that's going to follow you for the rest of your life? And that's the problem that I have with it is, so say this guy goes to jail and does these 25 years and lives. He'll only be 65. Okay, so yeah. he'll be 65 and he gets out. Then what? Mm -hmm. Then he's still Probably socially he's still mm -hmm. socially ostracized and a, a, a menace to society in terms of he's never going to be able to get work. He's never going to be able to, you know, build back any real quality of life. So he's probably going to end up on social assistance as a drain on the rest mm -hmm. of the country, which he was for 25 years mm -hmm. in jail. So what's the purpose? Speaking of being a drain, I, I looked it up because I was curious. Do you know approximately how much it grand, costs? Is it, is it 35,000? Oh, no. How much? About $115,000 per year for yeah. a Canadian prisoner. Yeah. Like, I it's didn't insane. think it was that high. I thought it's it was insane. $35,000. And, yeah. and apparently it's significantly higher in women's prisons. I don't know exactly why, but that's what uh, the uh, I was on the Department of Justice website because wow. I was curious. Um, because, I mean, it's 
you know, it's it's not a simple question yeah. of, you know, and to put which it crudely, one is better. a pack of bullets is a lot cheaper. <laughs> right? To put, it, to is, put yeah. it crudely, if you want to talk from a financial point of view. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that was my argument for it in, in, is that I do think if you are non... If, if you're looking at a person who cannot be reformed. If you cannot be argument. reformed, like, what is the purpose of it? You're just going to lock someone away until they get out and then they're going to reoffend and back in they go. So mm-hmm. what is the point? Yeah, it's, it's a completely flawed system. Yeah, I think, I think I lean towards death always being more merciful in these cases. Yeah. And I think also with a lot of them in terms of, I forget the man's name, I mean, we don't have to give him more airtime, but Quinn's father in terms mm-hmm. of who was convicted, mm-hmm. if he truly tried to kill himself, which I, in the one I read, apparently he did, mm-hmm. uh, killing him is very merciful. That's kind of what he was going for anyways. Mm-hmm. Sure, he failed to do it. And but, he does deserve to die, in my opinion. I'm just going to throw that in there. He failed yeah. to do it. But in terms of if you did give him the death penalty that would be what he was trying to do anyways mm-hmm. it is much harder for somebody to live for 25 years in that system uh because he is going to be <laughs> mistreated by all the other inmates if you have anything to do with children from what i've gathered yeah. from what you see in online and popular media and all that you're gonna not have an easy ride in that prison system so i think it's definitely um more merciful to be killed now if i was going to jail for some sort of offense it would probably defend, depend on what I was convicted of in terms of would I want to serve my sentence? Am I going to jail now? Mm-hmm. Then I'll probably have rather a 25-year sentence. Now, I don't know what I would do to warrant a 25-year sentence. I don't know. If I went crazy and killed a bunch of people, you'd probably just kill me because I, you know, I'm probably not going to be able to go back into society anyways. And, that, and that's kind of the thing with a lot of serial killers when you look at them like if they do get out there is the chance to reoffend. like recidivism happens like you know there there is a chance to reoffend where there is this part of are we actually protecting the general population from somebody who is unhinged and somebody who is crazy who has the chance to do it again um in terms of this guy probably not i wouldn't i don't think he'd kill another child and burn down the house like but I do think locking him away in this circumstance is less merciful, you know, and probably, mm-hmm. you know, if you're looking to kind of inflict the most pain on the person that caused you so much pain, a 25 year sentence in this case is probably harsher uh, in terms of maybe wanting to feel like you got justice and see it like visually represented, like how you see some people sitting there at, you know, a lethal injection, watching the people that wronged them. I would assume that in this case, probably that would be more mm-hmm. cathartic. So do you think do you think there are crimes of which you deserve death? Do you think that we should yes. have that power? I believe so yeah, as well. I do. And, and but... I do think that like in cases where there is substantial evidence to prove that you have done something that is so uh, against our societal values and that you just cannot function as part of this society, we we have no other choice like you have to go. There's no point for us to waste 115 grand a year trying to fix you when you're beyond repair. It'd be like, the motor is gone in my truck. It's gone. I'm not going to keep inflating the tires for the next 25 years. If the engine's gone, I'm going to get rid of it mm. and get another vehicle. I'm not necessarily an advocate always for an eye for an eye, though, because I find a lot of people when it comes to, especially with children and like sexual abuse, I you'll see this on Facebook all the time. I've seen it a number of times where, I don't know, somebody gets convicted of raping somebody and they're always like oh well give him what he gave to them rape him back yeah no i'm just like that, that that's just idiotic like you know you mm-hmm. see a lot of people like when somebody's a sexual offender of like well you should castrate them or 
you should, I don't know, chop off everything they got down there. Like, I don't agree with that, but there should be some sort of form of punishment. And when it comes to children, I definitely lean towards less merciful. I don't know if you should get the death penalty for what Michael Jackson did. You know, I I don't know. I'd, I'd have to actually go through every case to see that, you know, if he should have been. I, I'd probably lean towards no off the top of my head, but he probably should have been locked away so he can't do that to other people. Mm-hmm. Ham, you've been yeah, really quiet Ham, you've been on silent. This. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. I'm just I'm I'm pretty much in like 100 percent agreement with your stance on it. So like I don't I don't have much to add, honestly. It's interesting. I was not expecting to get a bunch of uh, a bunch of people leaning in my direction on this one. I was mm-hmm. definitely expecting to be the outlier. Do you believe the death penalty should exist? And this is honestly, this is something that I have uh, struggled with for years. I'm pretty sure in elementary school, this came up as a debate topic. Um, And I have yet to decide one way or another. I don't think I could ever take someone's life Mm -hmm. or make a decision that would end someone's life. You know what I mean? Like I definitely could never pull the trigger. But I also don't think I could say, all right, Jimmy, pull the trigger. You know what I mean? I don't think I could, no matter what that other person had done. And so I don't know if it is for me to say, um, yeah, I'm fine with Bob telling Jimmy to pull the trigger. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I have a hard time. Most most of the time, it's on like lethal injection. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I'm yeah. just saying, pull the trigger yeah. and yeah. like hypoth- yeah. metaphorically flip yeah. the switch. Yeah. You know, inject them, whatever yeah. it might be. You know, push them off the cliff. You know what I mean? It's I could uh, personally. I I know I never could. Now there are some people who are comfortable with that, and there are some people who believe very strongly in that. And so you're gonna err on the side. I'm assuming what you're saying is erring on the side of caution. You're going to conservatively say. No, I'm not really in favor because I haven't made my mind up. Yeah, I I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's it. It's not that I am against capital punishment and it's not that I am for capital punishment. It's that I think it's I can't say I'm for it. I don't want to say I'm I'm against it because it is a huge drain financial well, there's drain. no going back either too right like once yeah, you make in that some decision, cases if you're and that's wrong. something too there's a lot of times where people were put to death and they go back and through um what is it genetic research forensic forensic yeah not genetic for, forensics yeah. now a lot of people that were put to death were innocent or now, look at like the salem witch trials and stuff like that you know what i yeah. mean like you know there are so many times in in history where people have said like these people like deserve to die like unequivocally and now mm-hmm. we look back and we think what on earth was wrong with them to have thought that this was mm. a reasonable solution and you know sitting here i think anyone would have a very hard time disagreeing with the fact that if someone hurts a child in this way that they don't deserve some form of punishment. I don't think anybody out there is going to go like, oh, no, it's no big deal. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, this is bad. And while I think that, you know, ideally in a perfect world, the role uh, the role of the prison system should be to rehabilitate um, as opposed to punish. Ideally, that that's what should happen. But, so, you know. Th- this is sort of where I, I do agree but disagree in a mm-hmm. sense. What is the primary purpose of jail or prison? As it exists, what? As why did punishment. they create it in the first place? Well, initially it was. It's funny. So the the history of the prison system. There's a, a book on it. I've read portions of it. I have not read the entire thing. It's the what's it called? The Panopticon. Yeah, but it's, Panopticon is part of it. It's the um, the his, uh, history of the modern prison system okay, or something, something like, like that, that by yeah. Michel Foucault. Yeah. So 
punishments used to be delivered in a public fashion. You know, you go and steal a loaf of bread. Right. We hit you over the head in the or square. Or the hand comes off in front of 10 spectators. Yeah, sure. Exactly. So it was a public ridicule, essentially, and like public punishment. And so you do not repeat because everyone will see this happen to me again. The privacy of the prison system does not have that same deterrent no. effect. You know what I mean? So uh, while the goal of the prison system, you know, I think most people would say is to keep these bad people away. Yes. Should that be the goal of the prison system is my question. No, it should not. But as it currently stands, yeah, the primary exactly. reason why I think that jail still exists and prison mm-hmm. is to, you can't function right now. Exactly. It has been determined by a jury of your peers that you are not acceptable. You're not a good fit. You're a square peg in a round hole. And this is where we're going to per- put you. Mm-hmm. Right. While we try to trim your edges off and mm-hmm. make you round. So you'll mm-hmm. go into peg like everyone else. Mm-hmm. Right. So in terms of that, I don't know how you can modify the system to incorporate reform mm-hmm. in society when the very point of you being there in the first place is you can't work and you, you can't function in society. Absolutely. How can I teach you how to um, function in society without society being involved here? There, there are a few cases of it actually working like, um, this is going to be funny because it's like a lot of like Swedish, Finnish. I was going to yeah. say all those prison systems. Like there's people like I bring up um, there's this guy that used to make black metal records and like he went and ended up killing people because he was aligned with like neo-Nazi mm-hmm. values and like through the prison system, like eventually like he reformed himself. He changed his ideas and like he's like working towards like making an actual life and like mm-hmm. contributing to society as opposed to like just being a big bag of shit, I guess. Exactly. And I, I think that's wonderful. And I think that should be the goal. And there's a lot of, you know, stuff like that that exists in these Scandinavian countries like education and, you know, yeah. you know climate regulations and uh, recycling initiatives and all that kind of stuff that they're so much further advanced than we are here in North America. But one huge thing that they have in their favor is they have a much smaller population, population. to deal with. Mm-hmm. So while and I, a less diverse population, because where does the gangs come from? In the United States, the gangs are running the prisons. Mm-hmm. And the reason why you have gangs is because you have a lot of diversity, right? So they all tend to go into their, you know, prison yeah. is a separate society. Oh, it's very in itself. different. Yeah. yeah so in North America, it tends in North to America, be we have a more, di- yeah, it, it turns into a tr- exactly it, a tribal a tribal mm-hmm. thing, right? So everyone just separates in their own little de facto groups. And that's where your problem comes in because now you have the gangs ruling the roost as opposed to the institution ruling the roost. Whereas I feel like in, in the Scandinavian countries or in the Nordic countries, wherever mm-hmm. you want to call them, they don't have that much to deal with. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a simpler problem. There it's is- easier for the institution to keep Mm-hmm. control yeah. than it is because even if you have one or two gangs you don't have 12 mm-hmm. or 15 or 20 yeah. or whatever like you would in like san uh, what's it called san quentin or san whatever quentin. max penitentiary right mm-hmm. i watched a documentary on that and it's, it's just nuts what goes on there's mm-hmm. unbelievable they actually have a separate prison inside the prison for the people who decided they wanted to get out of the gangs in gen pop mm-hmm. to go to this other prison in the prison to be safe from the gangs. Like <laughs> it, the institution just accepts that. Yeah. This side of the prison is controlled more so by the gangs than it is by us. But this side, we're going to concentrate all our effort into keeping it gang free. That's crazy. Exactly. So yeah, it, it, it's, it's nuts. And that's why they call it con college, right? Because mm-hmm. you, you go, you come out way worse than what you mm-hmm. ever were when you went in, in the first place. 
So if you're not reformable, I think you should just be executed and it'll be done. And that's why we have judges and lawyers to make, you know, to go scrutinize stuff to make sure that you're not going in there, you know, blindfolded and going to get executed for something you didn't do. But I think on a whole, it is a good idea. And I think it's something we should reexamine. So do you think one murder is enough for the death sentence? Depends on the nature of the murder. So, yeah. and that's kind of so, so like we said, that's so, kind of my thing too. It, every single case in this in this circumstance has to be treated separately, mm-hmm. which kind of this is the way they do it, though. It, it is, right? but you I, have first degree, second. But degree, in terms third of the degree. general population, when people are like, "Well, this person murdered this person, he got de- a death sentence," or this person murdered somebody and got eight years, yeah. you know, it, yeah. it winds well, up. But there's being, a difference between murderings, like. If I, if, if I come yeah, in the know, house and shoot you in cold blood because I hate you, yeah. or you slept with my wife, and you planned it's it. very different than if me and Grace are having a drink at the bar playing pool, and yeah. I push her, and she falls over and hits her head and dies. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've murdered both of you in this scenario, well, but yours thing. was premeditated. Yeah, I was, I was, was talking accidental. more so in terms of first degree murder, where okay, it is yeah. premeditated. Do you mm-hmm. like? Do you believe just one murder is enough to kill somebody? Because that is pretty much like when you're getting down to one murder. It is kind of more like an eye for an eye in my books. Like a mm-hmm. lot of people probably would be, well, you killed somebody, so you should be killed mm-hmm. too. Where I, I don't really yeah. err on that. I, I more so think of like nope. spree killings or like, uh, you know, if you if you're a terrorist Exa- and, and, or something that's like that. Exactly maybe, what I was going to say. Yeah, like it's exactly what I was going to say is there has to be through some system, whether it's done through a psychologist or whether it's done through the jury, you know, whatever. There has to be a means of determining that you are beyond repair. You are not reformable. Mm-hmm. What you have done has proven that, like, let's be honest here. It's not that unnormal for murder to happen. Like, if, mm-hmm. if I heard of someone getting murdered here in St. John's, which I'm sure has happened in, in the last while, I'm not shocked. You lived in Toronto. Someone oh, yeah. was getting shot every couple of days oh, yeah. there and getting killed. It's not something that's uncommon anymore like it was 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. So in terms of the varying degrees, you got to sort of figure out, okay, of the people that killed other people, because we can't just keep filling up grave graveyards all mm-hmm. the time. We got to see who here has the opportunity to redeem himself. Mm-hmm. Like the kid who was forced by the gang to kill someone as initiation mm-hmm. and he's 16. Yeah, we might be able to work with him over the next 10, 15 years mm-hmm. in jail to give him a chance. But the guy who, you know, is 40 something years old and he might have. He's already been accused of a couple other murders. We just didn't have the evidence mm-hmm. to nail him mm-hmm. to the cross on this one, but we got him this time. Maybe he should die. You know what I mean? That, that's yeah, how it's where you draw the line. Exactly, that's where hard. you draw the line. Yeah. And that's where I am too. It's just, mm-hmm. it all depends on what circumstance and what crimes they're, uh, well, I guess convicted of it by, yeah, if you're sentencing them. So, yeah, I just think it's like, it's easy to get carried away with it. Like there's some States that like, People get the death penalty for like three strikes and it could be like bullshit. It could just be like, there's know, people there's on death row me. in California for getting caught with dope yeah. Like yeah. three times because yeah. they have the three, you're right, the three strikes rule. And that is stupid in my opinion. I agree completely mm-hmm. with that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Should not get the death penalty for dope. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, that pretty much covers it. I'm actually really surprised at all the answers here. It's mm-hmm. great. Uh, you know, I was really expecting to be the odd one out on this topic, and I sort of found myself not. <laughs> it's, so it's, it's a really gray thing. So yeah, yeah. I, and I think that you know, even though there are similar opinions here, like we've all brought up very different points. There's nuance you know I mean? in all of our arguments. That's the thing. We're all a little bit different, but yes, <laughs> there's similarities for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, I think yours. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that was a that was a bit of a, <laughs> a heavier. So we're gonna end on something a little bit sillier. I guess. Um, so my question this week is 
what is the strangest thing someone has ever said to you about you, like to your face? This, um, can't, the example of this I always give, and this is not I, the story I'm going to tell, is the time my little brother saw me jumping on a trampoline and said, I didn't know you liked fun things, um, which I think is just kind of, you know, it's not a compliment and it's not an insult. It's just kind of odd that someone would choose to say that to me and to my, you know, it would be one thing if he went to my other brother and was like, can you believe Grace is jumping on a trampoline? Like, that's so weird. I didn't know she liked fun things, but like say it to my face is hmm. odd and, you know. Anyway, so, but what made me think of this is uh, for our last movie night, Colton, we were watching uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And we were talking about uh, Ramona Flowers as being a classic manic pixie dream girl. Yeah, she is. So, which is the look on your face is why I brought- Are we talking about mythological creatures again or what? (laughs) but this is why I brought my definition. And so Colton saw this piece of paper and he's like, oh God, Grace, what have you got? I wanted to have the definition of a manic pixie dream girl because there could be a few people who are not familiar with what this is. Um, So the definition is a manic pixie dream girl exists solely in the fevered imaginations of sensitive writer-directors to teach broodingly soulful young men to embrace life and its infinite mysteries and adventures. Adventures. So basically, a manic pixie dream girl is there to advance the plot and listen to the monologues of Ed, you know, a male main character. She typically doesn't have a lot of personality. She, you know, you don't really know much about her other than, you know, he thinks she's beautiful and he comes alive when he meets her and she changes his life in a way that, you know, she doesn't actually have to do anything. She's just there to look pretty while he's doing it, essentially. They're quirky. They're always yeah. attractive. You yeah, know. typically like, you know, they're quirky. You know, they're a little bit different. They don't necessarily have a lot of female friends. Oftentimes it is what's They're happening. They're loner type pretty much yeah. all the time. Yeah, exactly. So someone once said to me, I was um, running around doing, I, I was working my camp job um, that I run in the summers and I was dressed nicely because I believe we were going to like a, a banquet or something with all the high school kids anyway. So I'm literally running around campus and I'm wearing a dress and high heel shoes. And I think I've got like a clipboard in one hand and like a walkie talkie in the other or something like that. And I'm literally sprinting around in these high heel shoes. And then I, I meet up with somebody who, you know, I was on staff with and I'm like, okay, do you have this? Do you have that? And making sure everything's okay. And he stopped and he looked at me. He said, you know, you're kind of a manic pixie dream girl. And I was like, I don't think that's a compliment. They go would have knocked an out, right? Yeah, that's, that's so his, his <laughs> argument there was essentially, you are here doing all this kind of behind the scenes work or making sure, like, I guess, for lack of a better word, the plot advances. You're there, you know, literally running around in high heels, which is like an, an odd thing, you know, like you're being this quirky, unexplainable female character who is not the focus of the attention yet is always there is kind of what he was missing in Jurassic World. Yeah, which was kind of hit. Well, no, I wouldn't call her a manic pixie dream girl. Yeah, if she had purple hair and was... No. That was the one I'm talking about, the high heels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, I wouldn't call her... she has too much agency. That's the thing. She actually drives the plot a little bit in Jurassic World. like Downward, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if there was somebody who was a little bit more off to the side. I'm trying... I was trying to think of an example for you, but I can't. Like, have you seen 500 Days of Summer? Summer's pretty manic in that movie but she also has a lot of agency so yeah, what about no, missy and super bad that the boys buy all the all the drinks for 
I haven't, you remember haven't that? seen that movie. Emma Stone no. in that movie, isn't it? I think so, yeah. I haven't seen it in ages. She's only there for a bit, long the, enough to... The ter- what examples you got the, there? The, the term was coined for uh, Kristen Dunst's character in Elizabethtown, which I haven't seen. But we said Ramona Flowers from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World sure was that. a yeah. good example of it. Um, anyway, I'm a bit confused, Grace. So, like, are, are these characters you're, you're talking about, are these, like, the TNA characters that they just throw in into movies for, like... But they're typically, but they're typically a main character is the difference. It's not like some background. It's not like the the quirky best friend, you know, happening in the background. Is it just a hot chick we're talking about that doesn't really have any? It is a it is a hot chick, but also a weird hot chick. Yeah, is the distinction. So she can't just be hot. She has to have like usually it's like weird colored hair. Mm-hmm. Usually have a weird quirk about them. Like, I don't know, maybe yeah. they always speak in threes or something. Or they they're say, almost yes. always wearing like a patterned dress. They're 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 strange. I don't know if you've seen the movies because yeah, they're, they're in a lot of they're in a lot of like specific. indie movies. They're like yeah. in a lot of indie movies. They're which, basically just there for the male to project mm-hmm. what they want. They're there for on. the main character to be kind of like a lame dude mm-hmm. and for them to constantly like boost him up and listen to all of his problems and then also probably sleep with him. Yeah, uh, so I think that was another thing of like me in the capacity I was working in is I was always there to like listen people and to people and go, okay, well, this is what you should do next and point them in the direction and make sure everything was moving forward. So I understand where the, you know, he got that idea, but saying that to me was like, I can't believe you just said that to me. That's pretty rude. Anyway, so that was what, you know, our conversation about the Manic Pixie Dream Girl character of Ramona Flowers made me think of that topic and i was like what is something strange that someone has said to you to your face that you don't necessarily know how to react to basically yes wow that's it maybe he's trying to tell you you're pretty i don't know because uh, it got to be pretty too right on, on that note <laughs> getting compared to like twilight boys that's one of the worst ones but um i'm gonna switch you sparkles over. in the moon like, <laughs> i know what you do <laughs> yeah I, I definitely do um this is, this is going to be short and sweet because we've been rambling on a little while. Mine's real short too, Ham, so <laughs> um, go ahead. So I was I was sitting here like f- like flicking a rubber band on my wrist because, you know, it's it's just like a nervous tick I do at work because I get really bored, anxious, just stressed out. So I'll slap this this piece of rubber on my wrist, you know, get a get a little bit of a pain response, you know. <laughs> and I'm serving, serving this guy and I have... Um, my little rubber band there and I'm passing him his Belmonts and he's got, you know, his flicked up hair and he's a bit, you know, flamboyant and he just goes, nothing like a bit of pleasure with a bit of pain. Am I right? (laughs) My blessed hand. And he just leaves. And that's stuck with me for a long time. I just think you change your address after that. (laughs) I mean, no, no, (laughs) It was just, it was just something just bizarre. But. Right. Like there, there's just some things that some people say to you and you just like, you don't really wow. like know how to respond to well, it. Listen, hold on. I tell you this one now. So one time <laughs> we're at Legion. Okay. For my grandfather and grandmother's 50th wedding anniversary. My pop was there. Right. And he had some friends that he hadn't seen in a long time. So he goes, Josh, come over, buddy. Come over. So I comes on over. Right. Goes on over and he goes. This is my grandson here. Gives me a big old slap on the back. Goes, look at him. Look, look at him. He's built like a brick shit house. <laughs> and I was sitting there just kind of like, 
I suppose that's good because every shit house I've ever seen is made of wood. So I guess I'm the best. <laughs> I'm the best one out of the lot. I guess so. I'm a step above the rest of the grandkids. But yeah, that was the, that was only my weird little story that I had. I had a really hard time trying to think of something because I forgot your topic till we sat down. <laughs> uh, I guess I'm the last one here. And my mom told me last week she didn't like my stories about uh, who I was talking about in my uh, bad travel story. So I figured I'd kind of double down this week and also <laughs> tell her, tell another story that she might not be too happy with. But in terms of the worst thing that anyone ever said to me was I was romantic. I was in the bedroom with somebody and we were in the Watching middle. Watching the Sasquatch. Why? <laughs> we, we, had, we had the video up on the screen. It was setting the mood. Uh, You're about to tuck Josh in. Good night. <laughs> Ham was over there in the corner sparkling in the moonlight. <laughs> but no, we were in the, and this is very short, we were in the middle of things, and she looked me dead in the eye, and she said, fuck me like your mother's watching. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I have no clue what that means. I have no clue how to react to that. And that is by far the weirdest thing anyone's ever said to me. You're fine. Was she built like a brick shit house? <laughs> no, she was fine. <laughs> Yeah, oh so my I, word. Okay. Yeah, how, how do you react to that one? <laughs> oh my. Um, Did you do it? <laughs> <laughs> that would be the next question that I would have. I mean, you, you opened that one. Well, well uh, I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that is kind of what happened. Did you get all moment, I, I, I got a little pun here now. Did you get any joy out of it? Oh, <laughs> oh no. That one's for you, lover. <laughs> oh, no. All right, I, I think that's it. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and with that, uh, we're your last podcast. Uh, I'm Colton. Oh well, wait. I'll, I'll say my name. I'm Ham. All right, go, Josh. Yeah, he's Josh. I'm Josh. <laughs> I'm Grace. Regrettably, <laughs> it was your topic. Oh God. And anyways, uh, we'll be back with a new topic next week and every week after until our last. So I hope thanks. you're watching, Joy. <laughs> yeah, I hope you like that one, Mom. <laughs> No. Thanks for watching. <laughs> Thank you. That was good. That was oh. funny. Oh my god. <laughs> didn't expect that comment. Oh. I didn't even react to that because I didn't even know what to do.